listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 481. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we discuss the Prime video, Lord of the Rings prequel, The Rings of Power. I'm not even going to mention yesterday. No, let's just, just let's just move move just on. Pretend. I mean, you know, I guess. Oh, see, here you go. go yeah, I, I just. <laughs> uh, no, I, I won't. I, I could talk about it for you know a lot, but you know, I, I don't, no one out there wants to hear me uh, bitching about the Ravens. So no, we'll just um, let it go and understand. It's a long season. We'll just say that. Yeah, that's what message boards are for. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Speaking of messages, uh, contact us via email if you want. Sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can do that. Um, you know, I had a correspondence with somebody a, a week or so ago. The website, sci-fi TV rewatch.podbean.com. And I think the good thing about going there is because of the drop down menu at the top, you can check out all the previous shows we've covered. Because not everybody is uh, listening to, you know, the current podcast. I, I got an email that's good. I'm going to read in the uh, feedback section. Somebody is listening to the dark podcast. Nice. So uh, um, anyway, um, you know, one of the things that that occurred to me today as I was reading reviews on the Internet about Lord of the Rings, other other things. And we always talk about the statute of limitations. And you'll probably know where I'm headed with with this statement, because if you you look at the end of the episode we're about to talk about, Mm -hmm. well, if you're familiar with the books, there are certain things you know. Or if you've seen the movies. Or if you've seen the movies. But I would suspect there are a lot of people that have not read or seen so are we spoiling it or are you just on your own? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, this is a, a particularly tough call. I would say this and maybe if you're, well, maybe house of the dragon a little bit less. Cause you know, it's not like we're, what we're seeing house of the dragon is really bleeding over yet into what is happening in has happened in game of Thrones. But you know, what we're seeing here in the Rings of Power is stuff that all has big, big impacts on the story of the Lord of the Rings, right? Right. And to a certain extent, you know, you, there are no, you know, real stakes for certain characters because of what we know. Right. And we've said so, it before, like, you know, about well, like, we have, one of the but... characters who we know. <laughs> Two of the characters who we know are, are characters in the Lord of the Rings. And I, I mean, we've, we've mentioned, I like, I, you know, I know. I, like Galadriel, I feel is, is off the table. That's not even discussion. Like, you know, um, well, and what convinced me that we're fine talking about that, those things, spoilers or not, is watching several interviews with, um, the actress that, that, uh, that plays Galadriel and she's talking about it. So you know there it is but anyway right but there's a lot of stuff that goes down in this i shouldn't say a lot there's just the big thing at the end is something that has a big impact in lord of the rings sure all right well what are you watching this week so i finally watched jurassic world dominion okay the last know that existed but (laughs) 
So yeah, they they made like the first. I mean, everyone, you know, the first Jurassic Park movie, which everyone knows knows and loves, is awesome. And then they made two more, which were not quite as good. The second one was just awful. Third one was okay. And then they made another three, which again, the first one was pretty good. Second one not so much, and the third one could probably be called a train wreck, except that it was just. There were some parts that they're very exciting, but there is also like some stuff like literally in this one scene, like this guy is back in like the control center in the park and he's talking with like the, you know, the evil, you know, corporate guy there. And then like literally the next scene, somehow he's out where they're you know, in the middle of or at the end or wherever they are, like not anywhere near where he was. Um, all of a sudden, he's he just kind of materialized in this new place in the very next scene. So that's just one error, uh, in a, a number of of glaring errors of uh, that is Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, but you know, you got Chris Pratt in there, and you got Bryce Dallas Howard, and so you know, you got some really likable actors, basically pretty much all around. You, you have some very exciting. Action sequences, I, I, I will give it that to him. Uh, obviously, the CGI with the, the the dinosaurs is pretty incredible, though there were some where just like that doesn't even look real. That totally looks like a some kind of robot or something. The story is just a tragedy. It, it's it's just beyond bad. But like I said, there the redeeming values that it is pretty exciting. So and everything like that. Um, the other thing, I've finally uh, will got my Paramount Plus subscription. Uh, I, I was going to do it just for a week, but I realized I might need it for like just to pay for one month so I could watch Picard, uh, okay. season two of Picard, which I know happened ages ago, but I staunchly refused to get uh, Paramount Plus until the other night when... We wanted to watch the last episode of Ghosts. I don't know. I've, I've talked about Ghosts before. You have, yeah. Yeah, really, really funny. Uh, you know, sitcom. I was watching with my wife and my daughter, but we watched all but the very last episode. And we were actually recording them, but the Orioles games keep booting out any old content. So uh, we go to watch it and realize the only way we could watch it is by if we're members of Paramount Plus. So I'm like, okay. There's there's the message. So now it's time, and I got my subscription. Uh, I was just going to do it, thinking I could maybe watch Picard in a week, but I realized that's not going to happen. So I'll probably keep it for a month, uh, watch Picard. Maybe Strange New Worlds. I don't know. Maybe, Fred, you can give me some uh, some insight onto what I should watch next after Picard. I've, I've only got a month, though. Remember that. So, and In fact, I'll probably, have, I'll probably only have three weeks uh, or less by the time I'm done Picard uh, season two. So, but yeah, any anything out there? So I'm thinking maybe Picard, maybe get some Stranger Worlds in. I don't know. We'll see. All right, cool. Well, I am finally caught up on House of the Dragon. Watched episode seven, uh, which dropped last night. Are you oh caught God. up? Yeah, like, oh man, I've been a part of some bad family gatherings, but holy cow. Okay, that was got to take the cake. <laughs> now you know. We, obviously, we've talked about the statute of limitations with this, uh, you know, the, the, firmly in place. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I messaged you a few days ago. You never got back to me, so I'll. You know, I don't want to discuss it 
you know, on the air because it's kind of spoilery. I'll just say that, you know, Princess Rhaenyra got to do what Princess Rhaenyra got to do. And yeah. uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> I will say the costuming, you know, you know, Fred has talked, as have we, about the costuming in Lord of the Rings it is just amazing. I don't want to say it's a step up in House of the Dragon, but it's hard to ignore just the beautiful dresses the warrior wear that that Renera wears throughout the the you know the series to this point but uh you know elegant to badass it, it's it's all great but what i really wanted to talk about here is the netflix film that just dropped blonde Ooh. which is a fictionalized account of marilyn monroe uh, i suspect you haven't seen it yet right? i haven't but i've been seeing a lot about it yes <laughs> now it's based on joyce carol oates fictionalized account which was also the pulitzer prize runner-up so mm-hmm. you know while you might say well this is just you know what if well okay yeah it, it's fiction it's what if based on things that we know about marilyn monroe and the amount of negativity that's out there is just immense. And, and I'll start by saying Anna de Armas is phenomenal as Marilyn Monroe. And I just kind of want to talk about some of the negativity surrounding the film. One of the first things people are complaining about, well, her Cuban accent. I'm like, what? Okay, I don't recall it, but okay, if you say so. So it's like, okay, did you go into the film, you know, trying to hear if her accent slipped? Right. Because yeah, sounds like that person had an axe to grind. Well, not just one person. I I, uh, I saw this all over. Then they're complaining, well, you know, we've got a Cuban playing, you know, this iconic American. I'm like, well, okay, you were okay with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis playing Abraham Lincoln, but <laughs> I guess since he's a white dude, that's okay. Yeah, uh, um, that's the key, isn't it? I mean, so, okay, fine. Uh, it, well, it was too negative and, and presents her life as this over-the-top, you know, brutal experience. And then I read some interviews with people that, you know, I, I guess knew her or whatever, and they said, well, it was really much worse mm. in reality. So, you know, one of the critics that I, I really respect, David Crow, who was who the main film critic at Den of Geek. So I wanted to see what he said. And you know, he's praising the acting, praising the directing, cinematography. In fact, he points out that he'll be shocked if all three are not up for major awards. He mentions the costuming as amazing. And then he gives it two and a half stars out of five. Hmm. I'm like, I, I, I just can't. So you just listed all of the major elements that go into the making of a film. Right. <laughs> and I, I just don't. And he wasn't alone. Right. I, I, I saw this time after time and I don't understand it. Look, it's not, you know, to say that my wife and I enjoyed it. I mean, we thought it was a really good film. And, and again, she was phenomenal. But it's kind of disturbing. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably not disturbing like Dahmer, I assume is, which I will not be watching. But uh, anyway, I, I, I just don't understand where 
some people are coming from. I mean, you know, it's like one of those things like, did we watch the same movie? Right, right, right. So, I, 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 that, that happens. <laughs> I mean, I've seen that uh, in listening to podcasts about TV shows. Sometimes the, you know, the people podcasting either really liked it or really didn't like it. And, you know, I feel kind of just the exact opposite. Yeah, you're left wondering, did we, did we watch the same show, right? So anyway, um, it's on Netflix. It's uh, now you'll be you'll be proud of me, dude. It was two hours and forty minutes, and we watched it in one night. We took one break. Wow, so, I'm impressed. Yeah, so it anyway. sounds like you're ready for Deadpool two then. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to send you the link. I, I apparently, uh, yeah, for uh, the D three Deadpool three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a very funny. My son yeah. uh, sent that to me. So. so, all right. Well, let's talk some Rings of Power, episode yeah, six let's. of season one. Udun, written by Nicholas Adams and Justin Doble and John D. Payne and Patrick McKay. I guess it took two writing teams to uh, <laughs> put this one together. Directed by it was Charlotte. long, so yeah, maybe they yeah. just got tired halfway through. They're like, all right, you do the rest. Uh, directed by Charlotte Branstom, who directed two episodes of The Witcher. And two of Counterpart. Did you get that message I sent you about Counterpart? Dude, do you, you even look at Facebook? I, I, I don't. Like, the, the one you sent me about Rhaenyra, you sent that before the episode even aired. How'd, yeah, how'd but you that was, that? I sent that right after episode four. Oh. Right? And then, obviously, episode seven. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Counterpart. Kind of a, yeah, well, you said look what's on Prime. Yeah, and well, you, you could never see it because it was on Stars. Ah, yeah, there we go. All right, anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, I, you know, I might I'm, when I'm done Picard. I think that's what I'm going to do because, I mean, obviously, you have spoken very highly of Counterpart a lot, and um, and you know, pretty much. I mean, I keep seeing it on lists of like one of the best sci-fi series ever and everything. So I'm like, yeah, maybe. I can. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I get. See, see, I, I mean, I. I'm sorry. I will. I will start re- responding to your messages, Dave. I, That's okay. I, I apologize. I know you're busy. <laughs> All right. Anyway, obviously, this is the most action-packed episode of the season. It focuses solely on Galadriel's battle to take down Sauron and the Southlands' battle to survive uh, the evil. So, you know, I, I certainly like that fact. Now. We've certainly seen these extended battle episodes in other shows, you know, not the least of which is Game of Thrones. Right. On on several well, occasions. And the Lord of the Ring movies, for sure. Okay. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, and the ebb and flow of this episode, you know, given that, as we've said, neither of us has read the Silmarillion, so we don't really know where this is headed on you know the the present basis like we said we know long term some things that are going to happen but you know the ebb and flow was was really well done i i'm thinking like all right cool we survived oh no we didn't right right <laughs> yeah it was it was cool how they kind of split you know they do show this long protracted battle but instead of showing you this whole battle, like over the whole hour plus of the episode, they break it up. Like, like you're right. The ebb and flow, that's a good way of putting it. You know, that like, Oh, you know, it seems like we've, we're, we've won, but no, the bad guys aren't totally defeated. And they 
come attack us. And then they leave and, hey, we won again. But no, they're coming back, you know, and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. And, I agree. And, and one of the things, I mean, we'll get to the specifics that lead up to this instance, uh, you know, later on. But Fred had messaged me about whether or not I noticed when the old switcheroo was put into place. And as I said to him, I, I didn't, you know, now that I know what I'm looking for on my rewatch, I'll, I'll pay more attention. And, you know, you do see it about the 39 minute mark when he says, Waldrick, I have a task for you. And we assume that's the hilt swap. But then I guess the main question is, does he at this point, Adar, that is, sense that the battle is lost and here's how we're going to play this out. Is he that masterful a battle technician that he saw how this was all going to play out the way a grandmaster chess player would, you know, see 10 moves ahead? Yeah. I mean, yes and no, maybe, you know, like I think he just was like making sure what's important. I don't know how this battle is going to, the outcome of this battle. So, you know, I'm going to give this task to this dude to, but, but again, like really your choice there of, I mean, I guess he's committed, right? I mean, he killed like the kid, what's his name? You know, Rowan or whatever. Yeah. You know, killed the kid when the daughter told him to. So, you know, I guess he's pretty much proved his, his loyalty there. But yeah, I think he's just, you know, like, like a good tactician is going to, you know, make sure that they gives his side the the best chance of success, right? Yeah, kick the field goal and let your defense, you know, come into play. And so, yeah, I, I think you're probably right there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyway, opening scene really creepy. Uh, we see, I guess it's Adar's fingernails or whatever it is, and and we see this take place in, in a couple of different different situations as he's addressing his followers rallying them to begin their conquest of the neighboring lands and and you know he points out that the orcs were slaves which again i i don't remember my lord of the rings details about the orcs so i'll i'll take him at his word but probably wouldn't be the first leader to lie to get people to to follow him no Um, he would definitely be the first that's never (laughs) happened before we're wondering i mean i mean on the one hand we're wondering but we're really not you know when they when they enter the gates and like a great leader he is the first one through the gates and and he doesn't really know what he's going to find on the other side and when we see it's deserted i think at this point our first assumption is that all right it's a it's it's a plan it's some sort of an ambush a trap yeah Right. And of course, that's what it is. We see Aaron Deer using arrows to activate this elaborate Rube Goldberg. I was just system. about to say that. Oh, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they fall in on, on Adar and the orcs. And then outside, we see Bronwyn telling her people they've got to ready the village. But but some of these speeches, particularly the one that, that Aaron Deer gives to his people later on about you know it's going to be really difficult your courage is going to be tested but hang in there and what really strikes me about that scene is not so much the power of his words it's that this is an elf talking to a group of humans right 
and they're with him. And, and, and again, he says, are you with me? Yeah. Are you with me? Right. And then, you know, fortunately he didn't have to do it three times. Right. Yeah. That's always, you know, when, when someone's like, you know, when the teacher comes in, it's like, good morning class. And they stop and like, good morning class. Yeah. Like that. So yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. kind of embarrassing when that has to happen. So now, Numenor sales, and and like we said, it, it it's really all about you know th- this battle with Adar, but the the two forces finally come together. That you know Galadriel's uh, forces from Numenor and uh, Arendir and Bronwyn's you know forces that are, you know trying to save the Southland. So you know finally see them getting back together, but Numenor sailing, the soldiers are sleeping. Uh, Isildur shares an apple with a horse, which, you know, was a nice scene. And I'm thinking like, dude, you just winged it into the ocean. I mean, that's kind of wasteful. You know, right. you're on a ship. You don't know when your next meal is going to come. Yeah, but the horses. You know, that interchange that he has with Galadriel, who first questions why he's on deck and then he admits i'm just a stable sweep and you know that whole thing about you know no no no, don't knock you know humble jobs they're just as important she goes but i don't know you and he tells her name his name it's like ah you remind me of your father and and i like his response well people tell me i remind them of my mother because we we know the you know the the strife that is taking place between father and son which again we get that great scene at the end uh, right before all hell breaks loose by the way ellen dill and isildur kind of hug it out and yeah right i think i think hopefully understand each other a, a, a little better yeah well now that he's you know asked to be taught rather than it, well, behaving right, exactly. as many teenagers do and believing that they know what's right and they know what's best and that every adult is foolish. So. Yeah. Now, you know, she, Galadriel, that is, asks about his wife, Elendil. And the fact that she drowned, uh, of course, there's a certain irony that sure. uh, the wife of a man of the sea drowned. And, and is there more to the story? I, I think the, we yeah, have clearly, to assume yes. yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are we going to ever learn it? Eh, uh, you know um, we will. Okay. They wouldn't make a, such a big deal out of it if, if yeah, it was going to be something that they bring up. Yeah, you, yeah, you wouldn't think. You know, the hilt, obviously, I brought that up about the switcheroo with the hilt at the beginning of the discussion. And, and we see Arendir trying to destroy it, and he only succeeds in breaking his hammer. Right. You know he's going to say, I'm not even going to tell you, Bronwyn where it is and it and we again we know it's not that he doesn't trust her it's that if you don't know where it is you can't be forced to reveal so then it's like you know theo sneaky little well yes okay but yes but okay like a it's not like the orcs were going to stop killing people right that they would go ahead and kill everybody and then just you know, it might take them a little longer, but they're going to find it, right? Right. They're going to find it eventually. We know that that's going to happen. So, you know, I I get Aaron Deer kind of holding out and not giving in, but really, I think Theo might have the right idea here. I think that you know he's probably saved a lot of people's lives because you know, like I said, they're going to just keep killing people until either someone tells them or everyone's dead, and they can just look around for it at their leisure. 
Well, and I think you're right. I guess I would argue that Aaron Deere initially figures, well, let's see how this is going to play out. And after the second person is killed, we don't necessarily know how far Aaron Deere would have been willing to take it. Uh, it looks like he was going to let him kill Bronwyn, you know? Like- yeah. I mean, and of course, she's given the look like, you know, let him kill me. Don't don't reveal the whereabouts of the, the hilt. Right. And, and of course, she doesn't know where it is. But again, we know they're not going to kill her. Or do we? I mean, yeah. she's such a great character. Right. Exactly. Well, and- we, we feel like, but we haven't, we don't really know this show that well just yet, you know? Right, this, right. We I mean, there's only two people who are off the table. Sure, you know, Gladriel and Elrond are the only people we know are going to be still standing at the end of all this. Right. Um, we know what happens to a Sealder, so we know his his fate as well. And so until he's king, he's good to go. And until he finds a ring of power, he's good to go. Um, so that's far in his future, I think, pretty much. Now, we get a lot of great lines, and I guess you could also argue, wow, that's kind of sappy or whatever. And I would just say, well, this is Lord of the Rings. So, you know, we take it for what it is. And, and you know, after, uh, you know, rallying the troops, we see Bronwyn telling Theo, you're not going into the fight. I need you to go to the tavern with the people that can't fight. Yeah, I, I love when they do the... You know, the young person says, well, I can fight. They're like, yeah, I know. You're such an awesome fighter. We're going to have you guard the kids. Well, I mean, look, we know why she does it, because she's protecting her son. But she's not fooling anyone. It's not like like at the end of this, Theo's like, hey, I am a super great fighter. That is totally right. why they're entrusting me. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're entrusting you to watch the kids. Uh, right. And, and you're a babysitter. Like, you're not a warrior, bro. Well, and then he's like, oh, remember what you used to tell me when I was a kid? Can you tell me again? Find the light and the shadow will not find you. And I mean, it is meaningful. You're right. Sure. You, you know, don't be afraid, even though it would be completely normal to be. In fact, if you weren't afraid, I'd worry. Yeah, and sometimes you can find the light much quicker than the light should be there. Right, and then we see Arendir with Bronwyn, and we're like, okay, finally. And he pulls out the seeds and takes her hand and puts it in her hand, new life in defiance of death, and we're like, dude, come on, dude, just do it. (laughs) And he does, he heard us. So uh, as soon as he's saying he wants to plant a garden (laughs) – Metaphor, maybe, <laughs> with her after the battle with yeah. her and Theo. And it's then, called thinly veiled. Yes, and, and I was glad that he took the initiative rather than her, you know, because he's the one leans in and kisses her and like, right. okay, good. So finally, after a hundred years, you, yeah, you know, whatever. Well, it's been that long because she can't live that long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, it's nighttime. The orcs are approaching the village, which actually. Because the second time I watched this, I, I put the closed captioning on, and it said orcs growling. I'm like, well, technically that's inaccurate. But what would it be? Because that's the time when it was actually the people that they. Oh, were. I got you. Okay. So there were some orcs growling, but mostly it was people, right? Okay. So Aaron Deer finally meets his match <laughs> with that big dude. Yeah. Um, and, and what's that big dude like? 
finding some random elf like on the side of the battle. You think he should be in the thick of it? Like he's being he, misused, you know, you like Justin th- Tucker on the sidelines at the end of the yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, he's got that little blade right at his eye for I don't know, it seemed like an eternity, and then finally Bronwyn kills the kills the orc. The villagers Which cheer we knew the victory. What was gonna happen. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. And we knew yeah. it was gonna be Bronwyn. But but I love that line after, you know, the villagers are cheering their victory and that, and that one older guy, more than a little brave elf, yeah. more than a little. And I'm like, oh, man, that, that really emotional at, good that, at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then they search the dead and they come to the recognition, we've been fighting our own. Right. And, you know, the one orc that's still barely, barely alive. Well, you think they were going to get a free ride? Right. They and, had to pay the toll. You know they're they're getting ready to retreat to the tavern as the battle begins again. Bronwyn gets hit with an arrow, and that was pretty intense scene. Once they get her inside, right? And now well, Fred brings us up in his feedback, and again I'll defer to Fred's medical knowledge um, about where the arrow hit and what the outcome should have been. And and in fact, I started typing a response to Fred's feedback that, well, you know, elves, uh, you know, they heal much faster than humans. I'm like, wait a minute. She's not an elf. Right. right. <laughs> okay. She's so, a human. So, but uh, he did have like the magic seeds. Though, so, you know, well, he, he, he did. And you know, in, in Amazon, I, I don't know if you, uh, watch it on your computer. I know you always say you like to watch things on your big screen and I, I get that. Um, I actually but, watched it on the big screen the first time and then watch it on my computer the second time. Well, and then I don't even know if this is on the big screen. Now I can't remember, you know, that whole x-ray thing where you got the little things you can click on to get more information. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and at this point it was talking about how the fact that, you know, elves, while they certainly can get wounded in battle is it's, you know, a, a mere arrow is not going to put them down, but that he has, battlefield medical knowledge which obviously he he puts into place with the seeds and then cauterizing the wound and 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 again i like the fact that i don't want to say that he made theo apply the second one but it's almost like theo needed to do that to to really understand you're in a battle for your life and and you could say well i think theo knows that but yeah maybe yeah, and, and I just think it was really important to have him do that. Now, whether or not this was realistic, the way Fred points out that you know she's up and walking around talking to the queen consort <laughs> later in the episode. Well, okay, yeah, maybe seems like yeah, maybe not. And once again, like granted, yes, Bronwyn means a lot to him and everything, but there's like a battle going on. Like you know, Arendir, is it really the best use of resources to have you? playing the doctor instead of out there fighting. Yeah. I just wondered about that. But I guess, I mean, obviously, it's for dramatic effect. And- right. Well, talk about dramatic effect, and we've talked about visuals quite a bit. The battle does not seem to be going well at this point, and then we, we hear these hoofbeats, and yeah. then we see what it is we hear. I'm like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they landed, and... Okay, and then, of course, we see Galadriel. She's on the only white horse in the whole army leading the charge. It just, just an awesome scene filmed just 
again, yes, just, just. But you know what would be better if it weren't so ludicrous. And he, he, here's my here's my nitpick, and it okay. is a nitpick. So take it with a grain of salt. The first time they show Galadriel's army, it's bright daylight out. Okay. Back at the battle, it's totally dark. All right. Then smoke, maybe. Okay. Go eh, ahead. I think dark because that's when the orcs attack because the daylight is anathema to them. Right. Um, so, and then like right before the um, that the 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 Numenorians arrive, it still is dark, and then all of a sudden that next scene, the Numenorians are there, and it's light out. Okay. So, Interesting. I didn't and, notice that. Yeah, okay. and again, I'm. There's a potential here that I might be wrong because I didn't notice it like the first time, except well, I did notice it because I'm like, all right, well, it's super dark where they're fighting. The Numenorians are riding, and they're riding from west to east. So you know, unless the Middle Earth world rotates the other way around, the sun's going to shine at the Southlands first, right? Okay. And would hit the Numenorians later. But instead, and again, I know like it doesn't necessarily mean that they are riding at the exact same time that the battle's taking place, though we are clearly meant to think that, right? I mean, that's the whole point of editing those two scenes right next to each other. But yeah, it's like the battle is totally dark, and all of a sudden the Numenorians show up and the sun's out. And it's yeah. like, so I, I feel like there was a little bit of lack of continuity going on. Okay, all right, that's fair point, and uh, yeah, still, it doesn't take away from the power of the scene. It's is there, pretty it, awesome, except for it did take away from it. That's the okay. thing, because I'm watching, I'm like, well, shit, you know, like, how far away are they? It's light out where they are, you know? Like, it's going right. to take ages for them to get to the battle. Like, you expect that, like, to see that stirring scene, because they're about to help, and I'm like, oh, they, they're, they're hours away. All right, now, some of the the sequences where Galadriel's dodging arrows by kind of like falling off her horse that to the side. That was awesome. She does that a couple of times. And of course, we're wondering where Adar and the Hilt have absconded to. Isildur gets into the fight. Is it the queen consort? Or not the queen consort. The, yeah. The queen, the queen regent. The queen regent uh, that signals him to go ahead in, which I think think that's what it was and i thought oh, that's a great touch she knows he wants to get into yeah. the battle and then they're and just like that. go he's like yeah he gets into the fight halbrand saves elendil <laughs> and again just the and not that those two don't get along i mean you know they're, they're i think at this point they understand each other a lot better and and there's a certainly a, a mutual respect but then arendir points out adar to galadriel and notes he can't escape with the hilt and then she takes off after him um kicks her horse into i don't know if she's got nitrous on her horse or whatever, <laughs> but kicks it into the next gear yeah and halbrand again you know at first oh he's going after to save her or help her nope she doesn't need your saving or helping but you know it's like this is too important. I'm going to circle around or yeah, whatever. And that's, that's in fact what he does. And they, they trap him. Did you think he was taken a little too easily or is he just 
an elf. I, I definitely felt the first time around that that seemed a little easy. But also, I didn't think, I, my brain didn't even register that he didn't actually have the hilt, you know. And right. now that, you know, like you kick, I'm kicking myself later because I'm like, I feel like I should have saw that, you know, because it does seem, I did think that even the first time that, wow, he got captured a lot more easily than I thought he would be. Now, on the other hand, she's ready to, uh, I'm sorry, he's ready to kill Adar when Galadriel stops him. And then, you know, of course, later on, you know, well, she's about very, to do that. It was very hurtful of Adar to say when he said, do you remember me? He's like, nope. Yeah, but. You know, that's, uh, he, he probably hurt his feelings a little bit. Well, yeah. And we talk so many times about, about Prince Oberon. Should they just have killed him? I mean, what's the advantage, really? Well, who's your leader? It can't possibly be you. I mean, okay, fine. You know who his leader is. Now what? I mean, if yeah. you don't understand the danger this dude poses, you presumably you you have the hilt. Of course, we know, as it turns out, they don't. Right. But I don't know. I, I guess I'm just for, you know what? Kill him when you get the chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. But I mean, like he's also as like you would think that there's probably some pretty good intelligence that they could get out of him one way or another. You know. Yeah, and then this, you know, once they've got him as a prisoner and they're interrogating him, and he starts filling in, you know, all the backstory about the, the orc, right? The orc army that he's put together, and and you know that the. He was an elf taken by Morgoth and, and all of that. And it's like, okay, yeah, you expect me to believe that Sauron was trying to heal Middle-earth. Okay. Well, I mean, healing it in, in his way, which is probably well, right. not a way anyone else would think of. Uh, right. But it's very surprising that Adar, quote-unquote, killed Sauron, right? Well, he claims to. And, and, of course, she says, I don't believe you. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I mean, at this point, I mean, okay, you're right, okay, right. I, you know, it's almost like, why would he lie to them? Like, oh, well, because if people believe that Sauron's dead, then they won't go looking for him, right? right. So, um, so we see why she doesn't believe him, but also, like, on the other hand, Adar, despite his, you know, obvious flaws, actually seems like if he's definitely a guy, and they, they kind of turn this whole thing on on around they flipped the script on us because now as he's being questioned by galadriel he seems to be like the heroic noble character and she seems to be the vicious narrow-minded genocide loving bad guy yeah right i mean i i just we talk about flipping the script and that is where it seems to be headed, but but then we catch ourselves and we're like, no, <laughs> no, that that's not it. That that uh, and, right. and especially once we get to the end and we we learn what task he had uh, given. God, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, starts with a W. It's- yeah, Waldrig. Yeah, which is to you know release the the floodgates literally and figuratively and, and just destroy the town or, or so it would seem we do get a moment with Halbrand and Galadriel 
alone in the woods, thanking each other for, you know, helping yeah. not to kill Adar. And we're like, okay, come yeah. on. Now, we, now we, yeah, well, we take off this armor, you go find a nice little grove. Bronwyn and Arendir have their moment early on. Uh, is this going to be your moment? And, and you know, I'll just say, no, too soon. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it is. I mean, I, I don't know that we necessarily look with Arendir and Bronwyn. We knew unequivocally. Yeah. They dug each other. Right. And maybe even loved each other. Uh, I mean, I think we kind of get that now but we don't we don't see that i mean they were we're just kind of maybe well yeah, maybe the, the first seeds of it might be planned here a little bit but you know we you know that the, there's definitely and whether it's even like actually romantic love but he just says you know when when he's with her like fighting with her yeah kind of makes him forget all the bad stuff that he's done and we know yeah. that's huge because we know he's haunted by whatever he did, you know, that's in his and Adar's past. So, you know, for him to, to say, you know, like that, the, the only time I feel okay is uh, with you, or I believe the, the kink said it when they said, the only time I feel all right is when I'm by your side. Well, does she also say something similar? Now I can't remember. I don't have that in my notes, I feel like if she didn't say it, she should have. But uh, yes, nice kinks reference there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but of course, they're interrupted. You know, the queen requests uh, an audience and introduces Halbrand to Bronwyn. Is it true you are the king we were promised? I'm not the king you're looking for. No. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. Yeah. Um, exactly. But but you know she's I guess she notices that medallion hanging from his belt yeah. and uh, you know then all hail to the true king of the Southlands just, again just a really emotional moment because these people have that leader that they needed I mean Bronwyn is a leader there's no question but she doesn't want to be you know she's the leader because she had to be right well and Hallbrand isn't doesn't really want to be either you know i would say after last week's episode yes i agree i you know i think today's events have really registered with him to where he understands okay maybe i don't want to but you know i need to and yes. i can get on board with that right which I, we've said before is what makes the best leader right right exactly As someone who doesn't really want to do it but does it because he knows it has to be done. Um, well, in addition, he has the pedigree, right? He has the lineage to be the king, which is sure. And, and know, I think the, the queen he has over Bronwyn. Right. The queen regent even says that, right? The best leaders are yes. those that don't really want to lead. And then that great scene where Aaron Deere is consoling Theo. And again, you know, where, where Theo, I love the fact that he admits that it was the power that he felt right when, when he had the hilt. So here's here's where insert Wayne's theory. Okay. And I don't know how wacky it is, because I think they might have kind of hit us over the head with it a little bit here, but we'll see. I feel like that sword hilt is not done serving its purpose. Okay. I think that that sword hilt somehow will be turned into the ring of power. 
Okay. Or part of the ring of power. Just from the way that that Theo talks about it, it's like the the same way anyone who you know had an experience with the 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 one ring, right? It was like this same thing, right? That, that they they felt this tremendous sense of loss when they didn't have it. Yeah. I mean, he sees it as something precious. Yeah, right. So Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I like that theory. Yeah, I like that a lot. Now, I mean, certainly it's got its initial purpose when we see Waldrig using it to open this dam, I guess, and, and you know, the, the floodgates open, the water the rushes. Darn. The what? The darn. This is a, this is a family show, Dave. Oh, okay. Ah, oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, not too far from River Hill, there's a, an actual dam, Tri- Tridelphia Dam. And my father used to think it was so funny. Yeah, we're going to go down that damn road, <laughs> Tridelphia Dam Road. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, Dad. Yeah, it was funny when we were 10. Dad jokes. <laughs> yeah, well, I wish he was still around to yeah. still tell bad dad jokes. But any, anyway, um, and then it looks like that that the orcs must have dug trenches that also you know played into you know kind of their own rube goldberg device that you know comes into play and 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 again all this water and and, you know we presume we see what's what's going on meanwhile ellender and uh, Ellendil and, and Isildur are having their moment that we talked about earlier. And, you know, as you said, well, now it's, you know, there's going to be a teachable moment here. And that's, you know, father teaching the son something that, you know, he learned from the mother. But I guess I'm a little fuzzy on what's actually happening with this mountain, this volcano or whatever it is. The explosions are rocking the village. It seems like this volcano is erupting. This is clearly an important mountain here, yeah. I would think. It is uh, like the important mountain. Okay. It's um, Mount Doom. Galadriel seems unaffected, strangely. <laughs> Elendil runs for the queen, and then we see that wall of fire sweeping through the village, appears to take Galadriel with it, and that's how the episode ends. So, you know. As we've said, we don't know how, but we know she survives. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, obviously. So it's like silly that they even did this to make us think that she wouldn't because we know that she does. Like like I said, there's a couple, two characters that we know for sure will be alive at the end of this. Right. She is one of them. Right. Um, Now, her hair might be a little singed, but beyond that. Yeah, true. True. So, or uh, not. I mean, I or not. I don't, right. It's, I don't know why she's not running the other way, but you know, she seemed pretty confident walking right into that yeah. wall of magma. So, all right. What else? Well, I'm just let's talk about we at the end there. I mean, what we see here is the creation of Mount Doom, and they chant Udun, uh, and that's the name of the the episode. And that, and so I did look this stuff up, so I I didn't know this stuff before. I had to look it up. Means hell. In orc language, I guess. Black speech. Uh, Right. And so, and the valley uh, where they are, I guess the valley, well, not quite because Mount, so like, you know, uh, Udun uh, is slightly to the north and west of where Mount Doom is and and the 
the, the I can't remember the name of the bad tower, uh, the dark tower, I think, right? And then, you know, this land will, this is Mordor. This becomes Mordor. This is the place of where, you know, our good guy's going to have to get through this place. This is the end of their voyage is getting through this place to get to Mount Doom and climb to the top and throw the ring in. So, and, and so we're like seeing the ground zero creation of, of Mordor and Mount Doom and all these places that are going to be so uh, important in the Lord of the Rings story. Right. And, and Fred sent us some great maps that uh, I can't remember if he said he screen capped them or he got them from somebody else that screen capped them, but like the, the lay of the land for Mordor and. Yeah. I was actually looking at a couple of maps cause I mean, this Tolkien is. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. He's all about like the, the geography of, of, of what's going on here. So um, I, I did fall down a bit of a rabbit hole uh, for a little bit, looking up this stuff and everything. Okay, All but right. uh, but yeah, what so that, that that's that's cool to see that. So you know, so we see some things here, right? We see the creation of Mount Doom, which we know that's where the the rings of power, at least the the one ring, will be forged in in the that fire. I guess it's not all of them; it's just the one ring that gets forged in the fires of Mount Doom, and that's to where Frodo must then go and return the ring and throw it back in. And we see the beginning of Mordor, so we know this land that isn't doing that great right now, but things are going to get much worse for it. You know, and, and by the time we see it in Lord of the Rings, this place is going to be uh, a wasteland, a complete and utter wasteland. We do see Isildur. We see his first moments of him actually being heroic and the first signs of the, the, the great warrior king that he will become. And then also, and, and I, and I no, like sorry. that little scene with the three friends, where the one—I forget which one—says he's going to stay in the village and help right. them rebuild, and the other two are going to keep fighting. Yeah, right. Because one guy's like, "Hey, you know, Gladio's getting the company together," and the sealed door is like, "Sweet." The other guy's like, "Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm done. I'm out." So that word, uh, Nar Nargoth, Nar. Oh yeah, yeah, Nambot. Nambot. Yeah, um, that means death in orc talk um which is a pretty badass chant if no you kidding. have to think yep. about it because there's a lot of stuff like you really i mean there's there's stuff here you just have to look up because sure i don't oh, yeah. know what that means at all all right well let's head over to some listener feedback okay all right let's do it all right, so we heard from Dawn in California via email who says, Hi, guys, I just recently finished your coverage of Dark on Netflix. Apparently, I was living under a rock when it originally came out. Thanks to my husband's recommendation, we enjoyed all three seasons over the last few weeks. And I just wanted to thank you for a very well done rewatch podcast that certainly enhanced our Dark experience. Oh, thank you. It's very nice. I- yeah, I have not listened to any other coverage you've produced, but I'm sure you've discussed 1899 by the same creators of Dark. Is that perhaps on your list of shows to cover in the near future? I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Again, thanks so much for a really great supplemental podcast. I don't think I could have made it without you two. Cheers, Dawn from California. Yeah, now I think you and I have talked about 1899 it's it's been a while and you know i i responded to dawn's email and i said oh yeah yeah we're we're definitely planning to do it and by all indications there's not a ton of information about 1899 yet 
it does appear to be in our wheelhouse, sci-fi, supernatural, fantasy, or horror. So assuming it is something that we should be covering on Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it turns out that it's not, well, we'll reevaluate then. But all indications are that uh, yeah. regardless, it looks like it's going to be really cool. All right, well, let's hear what Fred's got for us, and we will be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Season 1, Episode 6. This is Sunday morning recording. I just came back from my fifth COVID vaccination. Very happy I got that. I have some experience, sadly enough, with a family member with probably long COVID. And I can assure you having one family member with that is really enough. We certainly don't need a second one. First off, coming back to one of the previous podcasts, I said that perhaps Mithril is needed to forge the rings. And they found it a very nice idea, but Wayne discarded that because he said they are not made of mitril. Well, the truth is in between, because one of the rings, so not the the one that rules them all, but one of the other rings, is made of mitril. One of the things we also discussed is whether this idea of this enormous flood that destroys Numenor is just a way of representing Numenor's downfall or is it really a flood and somebody else in another podcast said that it's known that Numenor will sink in the sea so really physically go under well then you can get these kinds of floods actually it was also said that it arose from the sea Okay, about this episode, I think we see the creation of Mount Doom here. If you go back to episode 3, to that Numenorean library, where Galadriel discovers that this sign of Sauron is actually a kind of trident, which is a three-pronged spear, as Neptune or Poseidon has, And she discovered on the map of Middle-earth, of the Southlands, that the symbol or this trident is actually representing Mordor. So the three prongs are actually the mountains of Mordor and the hilt of that trident is actually the border between what later will be Rowan and Gondor. So if you take the Southlands in the second era and you put on this this trident then actually the the hilt in the west the hilt of the trident divides rohan in the north and gondor in the south and then within the area of the trident you have the village of tir harad written as tir harad or with a dash tir dash harad and that's actually bronwyn's village to the west from that there is the watchtower Osterith and on the east side is Hordern that's the village she visited together with Arondir and that was completely burned down so that's actually in the middle of Mordor in that sense it can be Mount Doom which we see in the back there and explodes because it's quite close actually these villages of 
Ter Harad and uh, Hordern are not on all the old Lord of the Rings maps. Yeah, so it was very difficult to find. But somebody on the internet made a screenshot of one of the maps that's shown in the series. And there you see Ter Harad and Hordern. Talking about maps, I don't understand why this episode is called Udun. Because Udun is an area in the Mordor trident let's say and then in the uppermost northwest it's actually laying behind well next and behind mount doom from the position of these villages and the only reference we get in this episode is when the water wells are exploding in tir harad the orcs are going to chant udun udun but i don't understand why because it's not mount doom it's laying further away. Well, after this episode, Wayne doesn't have to be too worried about the shiny Numenorian armors. They got dirty. For me, there is a little medical nitpick. If you see the arrow that goes through the upper part of Bronwyn's body and then they pull the arrow out and burn it, close it up. Well, and later on she walks more or less around, meets the Regent Queen. Well, with this kind of arrow at that location, I would fully expect a lung puncture with a so-called pneumothorax. So one lung is probably completely collapsed. Because of all this map searching, I don't have time enough to give much other feedback, although there is a lot to give. I thought of it as a great episode and it really earns a straight A or a 9 out of 10. Okay, that will be all. Greetings. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Well, one of the things that Fred brings up, the Numenor disappearing or flooding or whatever, uh, you know, as long as it's not an island that moves and and then we should be okay. <laughs> right. And I know you love that reference. Um, yeah, I do. But also, Fred, great analysis of the connection between the hilt and the actual physical layout of the various lands, including Mordor. That is clearly not something that I would have picked up. And, and I, I love that Fred has that attention to detail to, to notice things like that. Yeah, because um, we know, don't. Yeah, I mean, sometimes we do, but, you know, I mean, sometimes, I mean, when we do, you do a show like, you know, like Lost or, yeah, I mean, certainly shows, that you, you know, Dark, for instance, we know that we should be looking for things like that. Right. But I'm not sure that that really crossed my mind with Lord of the Rings. So that was certainly cool. Um, Fred, right, like, well, like, like you dark, right? Like dark, we picked apart every little uh, oh, yes, thing. Yes. That, yeah, yeah. Right. Fred gives it an A. Um, you know, before we talk about our grades, anything else you want to mention about Fred's feedback? Um, no, I, I hope, Fred, that you didn't think I was actually like being he, – he said I was being dismissive about what he said. I, and if so, I, I definitely apologize for that, Fred. Um, I do value your feedback. Like, Yeah. Well, he said you were right and wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. I, I'll take, I'll take a, a tie on that. Yeah. Um, all right. So Fred gives it an A. Um, what do you give it? I was thinking A minus, and here's why. Because I know I've been handing out. First of all, I've been handing out a lot of A's, and I knew I had to dial it back a little bit. Uh, but also, 
even though this one storyline was really, really good, no Harfoots, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well. We didn't you even know. check in the Harfoots. Yeah. So, that's okay. so I'm, I'm, give, I'm digging them a, 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 a percentage of a point there for that. Okay. Well, I'm going A minus as well. I, I thought for an episode that really was one long battle. I think they did it really well. And I don't want to say that because it was basically an action-packed episode, there there wasn't a lot revealed about individual characters because that wouldn't be true. You know, I think we did learn a lot about individual characters. But that said, I, I guess it was just a little too much action for me. I mean, it wasn't like I forget the, the the Game of Thrones episode where it was literally sixty minutes. Yeah, the the well, it was like the one of the last ones, right? The yeah, I forget the Battle one. of of uh, Winterfell, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, and anyway, so I, I, you know, A minus for me, A minus for you, A for Fred. Uh, you, you know, oh, and I did read that they started filming season two today. Sweet. Um, I believe it was in England that they're filming this this first part. So um, I do believe they're supposed to go back to New Zealand for part of this filming. But, you know, again, who knows how how long the filming is going to take. But you got to believe we might not have to wait a full year for season two. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. Well, ho- hopefully. Well, we'll see. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it, it is encouraging that they're already filming the next season you know so yeah so, so it uh, won't be as long of a wait yeah but uh dawn fred thank you for the feedback and uh you know i mean any final thoughts before we wrap it up here um well i just like I, one thing I, I did mean to mention like how hallbrand when he trips up adar his horse just like kind of the move that damon targaryen pulled right like oh oh in the joust yeah throwing his lance between the legs of the horse and everything which is not nice and very cruel thing to do um though i'm sure no horses were actually uh hurt in the making of this production so (laughs) all right anyway let's leave it there before we uh digress into uh middle school all right that will do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about lord of the rings Anything going on in your genre TV world, check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Emails can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about episode seven, the penultimate episode of season one. But until then. Okay, so you ready for your, your depth of the day? I am. Deep Thoughts by Stuart Handley. Guy Handley. Oh, I can't remember. Oh my God. Anyway, Deep Thoughts from Wayne today. <laughs> One cannot satisfy thirst by drinking seawater, said Stuart Smalley. (laughs) 